Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. In the last episode, we were talking about uh, the whole counsel of God, and we talked about how uh, we never want to just take sides with things. We never just want to get extreme off into one side and just assume that um, one person is is to blame and, and, and getting extreme in things. Now, I'm not talking about you know, the church versus the world. You know, we are separated from the world, and we're not supposed to to take sides with the world. Uh, the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity against God. And so when it comes to taking sides about God or the world, that's an easy answer. Um, but what I talked about in the last episode is that we want to stay on God's side. We want to stay on the side of love. And love is never quick to believe the worst about somebody. And so whenever you see people like taking sides and there's this division and there's this thing, you got to watch out about that. Because a lot of times there is extremism in, in that. And, and people are only listening to one thing. They're only considering one thing. Uh, the way to stay out of error is to stay on God's side, to stay on the side of love in a situation, not to assume the worst, but to say, Lord, how can I bring love into this situation? How can I bring peace into this situation? And, and not trying to not trying to be a referee <laughs> for somebody else's quarrel, but to just be somebody who brings love into the situation. And that can only happen by not taking sides in things and staying on God's side, staying on love's side. And so, and this is true if, if you find yourself in a disagreement or something like that, you know, instead of trying to recruit people to get on your side, Ask God, how can I get on your side, Lord? Like Moses asked the Israelites, who is on the Lord's side? Ask the Lord, how can I get on your side, God? What can I do to make sure that I'm on your side in this thing? And in order to do that, you've got to stay on love's side. You've got to stay on the side of love. Love is the aerial view. It's the thing that helps you to see clearly. And we talked about this, but Matthew 7, Jesus said, examine yourself, consider the beam that's in your own eye, and you'll see clearly. The only way you're going to see clearly <laughs> in a situation is if you don't, uh, you, you examine yourself. If you don't examine yourself, you're always going to be lopsided. You're always going to be one-sided. You're always going to see things from one perspective. Amen. And so the way you, you remedy that is to examine yourself, consider yourself, and remove the beam from your own eye so that you can see clearly. Amen. So in talking about the whole story, talking about the whole story, there's a passage that came up to my heart, and I, I wanted to read it to you, <clears throat> and it's talking about Solomon. And, you know, the Bible tells us that Solomon was anointed with wisdom. And so we see right after the Lord told him he was going to give him this anointing for wisdom, uh, he immediately had an opportunity to put it into practice. And so we see here in, uh, what is this? This is in 1 Kings 3, starting at verse 16. It says, Now two women were harlots, and they came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And I, um, then it happened the third day that after I had given birth, that this woman also gave birth. And we were together, and no one was with us in the house. Now, I want to point this out to you. You need to be very selective about who you're alone with. Are you listening? You need to be very selective about who you are alone with. 
uh, one of the big problems with this situation is that nobody else was there. And, and you know, we see the same thing with Joseph. You know, uh, Joseph was in Potiphar's house, and the Bible said that all the other men went out. And that's when Potiphar's wife pounced on him. And that's how she was able to accuse him and say, he tried to rape me, even though that was a blatant lie. Um, there was nobody else around. Now, of course, God still used that situation for his good and took care of Joseph and vindicated him. But there's still a principle. Um, when you're alone with somebody, it's your word against theirs. And so you need to be led by the Spirit. You need to be careful about who you're just alone with. Amen? Well, it's true. Whether you say amen or not, I'll say amen. Um, but it said um, there was only the two of us in the house, and this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Now watch this. Then the other woman said, <laughs> so this is her word against hers. You understand? The other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king uh, said, the one says, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. Now watch this. I want to point this out to you. Then the king said, bring me a sword. Ooh, come on. Bring me a sword. I talked about this in last week's Verity Vitamins. The thing that will pierce a puffed up perspective is a word from the Lord, <laughs> a sword. What did it say in Hebrews 4, 12? That the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit. See, a lot of times what happens, the reason why people's perspective gets puffed up is because soul gets mixed with spirit. And the word of the Lord comes to pierce it. The word of the Lord comes to divide it. This is why you need more than just one perspective. This is why you need more than just one person. We read this last week, but in Proverbs 18, I think it's verse 17, it says, Every man seems just in his own cause, but then his neighbor comes and searches him. And we see that Solomon said, bring me a sword. And, uh, you know, just because somebody quoted a scripture doesn't mean that's exactly what the Lord is saying in the situation. The word has to be rightly divided. Oh, come on. This is another reason why you have the sword of the Spirit, not only to divide between soul and spirit, but to rightly divide the word. Ooh, come on. Because what did Jesus do? When the devil quoted scripture to Jesus to try and get him to jump off the temple, he said, it is also written. What is that? That's a sword that rightly divided. Ooh, come on. It's not enough to just divide. You got to rightly divide. This is why you need, watch this, the whole counsel of God. Oh, man. Come on. Glory to God. We're building. Amen. And so they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman, watch this, whose son was living, spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. Her motherly instincts kicked in and revealed that she was the mother's, uh, she was the child's mother, excuse me. I'm getting excited. And her motherly instincts are what revealed that she was actually the child's mother. And it was the compassion. 
And she said, Lord, don't do that. Just give her the child. Don't kill the child. So we see that compassion, love, and a willingness to yield was an evidence of the Spirit. Ooh, come on. Was an evidence of the Spirit. And the other woman said, you know what? No, go ahead and kill the child. He's not going to be yours or mine. There's bitterness here. Oh, there it is. There's bitterness there. If, if you can't have them, or if I can't have them, you can't have them. If I can't have my child, you can't have your child either. See, what happened? Uh, this sword that Solomon brought revealed compassion and selflessness versus bitterness. Oh, come on. And, and bitterness is not a fruit of the Spirit. See, this is why you need a word of the Lord. This is why you need a sword to rightly divide the situation. Amen. Glory to God. This was wisdom. And the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. You know, this reminds me of John chapter 8, when uh, Jesus was faced with this situation with this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Now, you've heard this before, and it's important to to reemphasize it, I think, uh, it takes two people to commit adultery. <laughs> so where's the man? Why is this only one-sided? You see what we're saying here? Why did they just bring the woman and put all the blame on the woman? See, this is the thing you got to watch out for. Anytime all the blame is going one place, something's wrong. Anytime all the blame is going on one thing, something's wrong. Even if somebody was a wicked person that did wicked things, listen, the enemy was behind it. Now, people have personal responsibility, but the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We have to realize that even if a person yielded themselves to the devil and did something horrible and evil, well, yes, they should be brought to justice. And that's why we have a justice system, and God is the righteous judge. But at the same time, you got to remember that they're still not the real enemy, that there's, there's somebody else behind them. You understand? There's somebody else that was driving them and pushing them. To do it. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But anytime all the focus is on one person, anytime all the focus is on one president. <laughs> now, I'm not making a specific reference to a specific president. We've seen a whole lot of that going around the last eight years, blaming one man for all these things, whether it's on this side or that side. And it's ridiculous to blame all the problems on one person. Whatever the case is, that's silly. It's childish. It's immature. It's lopsided. Do you see that? This is something we got to watch out for. And so they bring this woman caught in the act of adultery, but you can't commit adultery by yourself. So why wasn't the man brought? See, this is a part of Jesus had an opportunity to righteously judge this situation. And they're like, she was caught in the act of adultery. Here are the facts. It's all her fault. We either stone her or don't stone her. And they tried to put pressure and say, this is what we got to do. And they tried to act in this place. Of, of condemning her. And what did Jesus do? He bent down in the ground and he checked his heart. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on a sword. Ooh, he's waiting on a word. He's waiting on something to divide. Ooh, come on. Rightly divide the situation. And the Lord said, uh, he who is without uh, sin, cast the first stone. Now, notice that the thing that brought a solution to the situation was self-evaluation. Oh, there it is. Was considering yourself. That was the thing that rightly divided the situation, was self-evaluation. Because every man's conscience was convicted. 
And everyone stopped focusing on the woman that had committed the adultery and started judging themselves. Judging themselves. Amen. I wonder if that'll still work. (laughs) Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, We're not supposed to call evil good and good evil. We're not supposed to act like it's okay to commit adultery. It's not. And sin brings forth death. But anytime uh, there's this temptation to cast stones at people and condemn them, what's the first thing you need to do? Examine yourself. Because Jesus said, if you've looked at a woman with the purpose and intention of lusting and coveting after her, you may as well have committed adultery as far as God is concerned, because in your heart you already have. Now, that doesn't mean you saw something and you were tempted with it, but if you, if you yielded to it in your heart, you may as well have yielded to it in your flesh. And God actually cares more about sins of the heart than he does sins of the flesh. We could do a whole other podcast on that. But what does that bring? Okay, well, Lord, you've had mercy on me, even though I've committed sins in my heart, and I'm going to show mercy in this situation too. Now, that doesn't mean you affirm it. Because what, what did Jesus say right after that? He said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't say it wasn't sin to commit adultery. But he also knew enough in his spirit to know this is one-sided. This is lopsided. There is more to this story. This is being dramatized. There, where's the man? <laughs> you understand? And a sword of the spirit, a word from the Lord will rightly divide the situation. It will bring balance into the situation. It'll bring the whole counsel of God into the situation, onto the scene. And it only comes by yielding to love, humbling yourself, examining yourself, and by dividing between soul and spirit. This is how you get the whole counsel of God in a situation. And, you know, a lot of times we're, we're tempted to get angry because of something that happened or something we heard. And, 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 you know, there's a reason why the Lord said that we're not supposed to stand in the office of a judge. Now, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to discern. I talked about this before. There's a difference between discerning and, and condemning. Um, we are supposed to righteously discern. That's what Jesus was doing in John chapter 8. He's rightly dividing. He's weighing the Spirit. The Bible said that, that it's easy to think someone's right about something, but you need to weigh the Spirit of a thing. You need to weigh the heart of a thing. And so we're supposed to do that. What we're not supposed to do is stand in the place of judge in the sense of condemning them, throwing a stone at them. Why? Because we're not qualified. (laughs) Now, if anybody could have qualified for that, it would have been Jesus. And yet, what did he do? He righteously judged the situation. He rightly divided the situation. He knew there's more to this story than meets the eye. There's more going on here than just what's being presented to me. And wise people will do this. Wise people will not jump to conclusions about things. Wise people will yield to love and be quick to bring love into the situation rather than condemnation. Do you see that? Doesn't mean you call evil good. Doesn't mean you affirm something that's going to hurt somebody. Doesn't mean you tell somebody they're okay if they're headed for destruction. But it won't lay all the blame at one person's feet. It won't lay all the blame at just this thing. Rightly dividing, uh, rightly judging a situation only comes by receiving a word from the Lord, 
and hearing God's perspective on the situation. And oftentimes, in order to do that, you need more than one perspective. Oftentimes, to really rightly divide in a situation, you need to hear more than one side of things. And the thing about God is He knows the whole situation. (laughs) It's not hidden from Him. He knows what really happened. He was there, which is why we must be led by the Spirit, which is why we must be led by love. And we must not jump to conclusions and assume things about people. That's foolishness. That's what the Bible says. It's foolishness to answer a matter before you hear it. But when he says before you hear it, he's not just talking about hearing from the people, but hearing on the inside. Oh, come on. Don't answer a matter before you hear it, before you hear from the Lord about it. Amen. Inquire of the Lord. Check with him. Don't be too quick to jump into something, take sides with something before you've inquired of the Lord about it. 